My name is Wes Hall. I'm the newest dragon in Dragon's Den. I am the Black Dragon. And I was just on Ryan Hall's podcast, and it was fantastic. Ryan Holtz is a social media and creative marketing agency owner, husband, father, DJ, global citizen, keynote speaker, and is proud to bring you the Ryan Holtz Show podcast. Uh, hey, everyone, welcome to another episode of the Ryan Holtz Show podcast, voted number one Black Hosted podcast in Canada, and the podcast that helps you upgrade your life personally, professionally, in all ways. We, we pride ourselves on having safe spaces for unsafe conversations with some of the world's best in their field. Listen, I am in my mind right now. I'm in Montego Bay. I got some rice and peas. I got some oxtail happening here. I got a special guy here. I, I mean, we got a plate of food just over there that I can smell right now. But listen, I want to introduce one of the most amazing humans that I have heard of Consistently, his name is Wes Hall. He is the newest dragon to Dragon's Den. He is the CEO and founder of Kingsdale Advisors. But his story from the Tin Shack in Golden Grove all the way to Bay Street in the mailroom. I've heard it told a little bit, but I did a lot of research and this is amazing. So, Wes, welcome to the Ryan Holt Show podcast, my friend. Ryan, thanks for having me, brother. Appreciate being here. Now, listen, the first thing I want to ask you is what the heck did you have for breakfast this morning? I like to get into the little bit of the psyche of how somebody starts their day a little bit. Like, what's the breakfast looking like? So I haven't eaten yet because I, <laughs> I, I start I start eating at about. Uh, so the first thing when I get up in the morning, I uh, like this morning, for example, I go for I go for a run. So yeah. if anyone follow me on uh, social media, King of Bay Street, uh, uh, you'll see my I have a Friday morning uh, uh, kind of workout, but I work out every day. And yeah. Uh, so this morning I start off with a run. I run for about 50 minutes, and then uh, I do my uh, my weights in the uh, in the gym in my basement. And I usually eat lunch. I eat my first meal at about 11:30. Now let me ask you this: When you go for a run, are you meaning you're you're going out of your house and running on the street? Or are you are yeah. you running on a treadmill? Or you're outside? But I like, like the treadmill, and I was like, it's too boring, man. So I, <laughs> I run outside. So I there's a trail in uh, in, in you know in my neighborhood, and I yeah. tend to just go nice and quiet and stuff like that so i just do that for about 50 minutes there's a bike that i go on sometimes and uh but i try to do cardio at least uh four times a week now listen this is what's amazing to me and i'm telling you i I don't believe in coincidences serendipity happens my last maybe four or five guests i've had on my show here your name has came up in the weirdest oddest funniest amazing (laughs) ways so much to the fact that I said, I think I'm connected with Wes on LinkedIn. You know, the most previous Don from Hyundai, Don Romano, you know, he, yeah. he brought you up and said just incredible things, you know, with the, the initiative that you're doing at Black North and whatnot. But I said, I mean, I, I've heard your name in the last 60 days, like five times from some heavy hitters uh, in the world. And I just thought, there's a gym. I got I to gotta check this guy out. He's in Canada from Jamaica, you know, and doing amazing things. And it's interesting because you pri- you prior, I noticed from doing Dragon's Den, I know you're very active on LinkedIn, but you're not yeah. this social media crazy guy prior to, you know, recently. So I see that you're stepping into the social media den, so to speak. How has that been for you? And, and how are you liking that so far? Well, you know, like uh, for me, for example, you know, Ryan, I've, I've never been, I've, I've been a quiet guy, right? Like, you know, I'm on Bay Street. I've been on Bay Street for about 30 years and uh, and I have uh, great connections, great relationships, met some great people, great uh, reputation on Bay Street. But, um, you know, but I, I realized uh, back in, uh, this was back in 2018, September 2018, I said, listen, we got to do something about the way black people are treated in this country, mm. you know, and mm. um, and, you know, but but because of, uh, you know, um, you know, I walk down the street and I'm treated differently, you know, like I'm driving my car like, you know, that year was when I was driving my Ferrari and, uh, on, on Bay Street and uh, going to my office and I was dressed. I was dressed in like a suit, but I wasn't wearing a tie. I was going to a meeting with my banker. And I was parking in my underground garage in my in my office. This guy stopped my car and he's like, uh, "Hey, here's my business card. You're looking for a criminal lawyer? Give me a call." <laughs> I'm sitting there going, and then I, I just get 
time and time again, this just keeps happening and happening, right? Yes. And I go, this is enough, right? We got to do something about it, right? And mm. so September 2018, I start, I went on LinkedIn, because I've been on LinkedIn, but not very, very active. And I start to find, I try to find all these black people on LinkedIn. <laughs> I look at a picture with a black face and look <laughs> at the title. And then I go, I send them a note, a link. Yeah. And then... You know, and it was a long message I sent to them to say, listen, you know, my name is Wes Hall. I'm the founder and CEO of this company called Kingsdale. And uh, I want to set up a group of influential black people to change the narrative mm. on Bay Street as to how black people are perceived and treated in this country. Could you link with me and could we get together and discuss? Mm. And, and Ryan, without a word of a lie, people, a number of people go, no, not interested. Get me off your list. Oh, right? yeah. I can I can show you the responses that people are sending to me, right? These are my yep. fellow black people, okay? Yes. And I would be walking down Bay Street, and I would see a black person in a suit, whether it be a woman or a man, and I go over to them and hand my business card and say, hey, I'm trying to set this group of black people together, touch base with me. The woman thought that I was hitting on them. The guys thought I was a weirdo, right? <laughs> so nothing, nothing really happened. Uh, but I kept at it. I just kept at it and at it. And then, um, I, you know, I was inviting the prime minister in and he came. He didn't come because he had other important things to do because I want to talk about this issue. And I said, OK, fine. Forget about him. We're going to have it at my house. So there's 60 people came to my house. 60 <laughs> people actually accepted the call. I didn't know a lot of these people. Yes. And they came and we had it at my house. And I and I said, OK, here's what we want to do. I want to get the will in. A lot of people go, I don't know where to start. Mm. Right, I don't know where to start, Wes. I said, we'll figure it out as we go along, right? Mm. So I named the group, Ryan, Black North back mm. in September. And mm. I started to communicate with them. The first letter we sent was the Minister of Finance that we wanted to change the banking system to allow black entrepreneurs to get access to capital mm. and, uh, and all these different things. And I said, we want a black bank. We agreed that we want a black bank. They understand mm. what we, who we are. They understand how to loan to black entrepreneurs and all these different things. Met with the mayor. We met with uh, all these different people that we need to meet with. Mm. And, uh, and then, of course, you know, I kept on at it and people kept on dropping off. <laughs> right, because you know when you're doing yep. stuff like this, it's not yep. easy work, right? Yeah, they're like, well, I got a day job, I'm not getting paid to do this. There's nothing in it for me, and people just yep. keep dropping off. But I kept at it, you know, kept at it, and uh, behind the scenes until George Floyd. And when George Floyd happened, I go either I kept behind the scenes, uh, or I go big. Mm. And and yes. uh, because if I go big in public, I'll get a little bit more attention to what we're trying to do. Of course. And uh, and that's what I did. I, I you know, but 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 if, if you know, I know you're you're going to ask me all these questions, but I'm you know, I just want to give you my frame of mind. You know, when I started Black North, it wasn't for notoriety. It wasn't for attention. I've been on base Street for 30 years. And in that 30 year period, I got the Entrepreneur of the Year Award. I've gotten the, uh, you know, I, I've been on the Canada Business Magazine, Top 50. Mm. You know, I was on the Toronto Life Magazine. I'm on all these different, I was on, the, I'm the first black person still to have the cover of the report on Business Magazine. Mm. These are years ago. I've had these, I've accumulated all these things over the years, right? Mm -hmm. So people know me on Bay Street, but my community doesn't really know me. Of course. Like in the black community, doesn't really know me. So that's why when you said, you know, I've heard this guy and it's name mentioned like eight, nine, ten times in the last little while is because of the attention from social media to the cause of creating awareness for how black people are dealt with, right? Wes, so Wes, if I Wes, do that listen, publicly, you I, ha know. I have to interject. Listen, it's lonely out here, brother. It is lonely out here, okay? I own a marketing agency. I've owned my own business since I was 24 years old, okay? Primarily heavy, heavy in the first five years I was in the automotive sector, okay? I would go into boardrooms and, and still to this day, okay? I'm in a hoodie right now looking fly with you and having fun, but I did the I do the whole suit thing. I'll prove I like style. My business card is a is a sock, Wes. It's in nice. the it's in the shape of a sock. So I, I want to give you my street cred on that. But here's the thing. You're a young black man. Now my mom is German, my dad is Jamaican, right? So I'm I'm I've always, you know, you've heard of the term code switching, right? You yeah. kind of go into a room full of white people, you're like, yeah. okay. You go into a room full of black people, okay. Sometimes you're in a room in the middle and you're thinking, growing up, especially, like, what side is happening? And not to poke fun, but I always tell a joke and I say, listen, Ryan, if you do something bad and there's a cop chasing you down the street, they're not like, there's that half German guy. No, to society, Ryan, you're black. 
okay, I get that. I, and I love that. But what you're saying to me, it resonates so much because every time I hear something about like, oh, there's a black group doing this or, hey, there's somebody here. And I find out, oh my God, the owner's black or, or the vice president's black. I mean, there's a little bit of excitement that comes into my soul because I'm like, okay, interesting. But here's what's happened. And I'll, I'll be very frank about this. My opportunities have came from anybody but being black, but black people. Like, like we're talking white people, everybody else but black people has given me my best opportunities. And I think it kind of makes me feel sad. Hey everyone, I know you're enjoying this episode and thank you so much for tuning in and listen. Do you love hot wings and hot sauce as much as I do? You know, you have the standard kind of flavors and you know, all these assortments of hot sauces around the world. But there's some that are your favorite. Now, here at the Reinhold Show podcast, our favorite, without a doubt, is Heartbeat Hot Sauce. Uh, Heartbeat Hot Sauce, if you don't know who they are, they're based in Thunder Bay, Ontario. And uh, they teamed up with Dustin Poirier from the UFC, who just won. Uh, and they they put out some amazing product. And uh, the team over at Heartbeat, they're, 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 they're truly, truly impeccable. So... Uh, we're very proud to, to call them a, a partner of the show. And if you would like to try some amazing hot sauce, some flavors, and get your palate really moist and juicy and good, go to heartbeathotsauce.com and type in Team Holtz at checkout as a promo code for 20% off your purchase. And again, you will not be disappointed. We also want to let you know that in a better effort to connect with you guys even better via social media, you know, via the podcast apps or wherever you're consuming this, or if it's on YouTube, wherever that may be, we want to give you the option to text. So please text me at area code 587-875-0634. And that is me. So text me, say, hey, Ryan, how's it going? Love the show. You know, hey, could you bring on this person? Or just to say hi and how are you and how is your week and all of these different things. I think this would be absolutely incredible. Uh, and I would love if you could do that for me. Now, the last thing I want to say is, hey, book a free eight-minute brand jam. Whether you are a person or a business looking to increase your brand, increase your sales, increase your marketing, increase your digital footprint, book an eight-minute free brand jam session with me one-on-one. All the details will be in the show notes or just reach out. And last but not least, please, if you've not hit that five-star review, take a, 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 a take a screenshot of it, hit hit the review, submit it, tag at Reinholds1 on, on all social media. Uh, platform so I can see it so I can repost it and give you a huge shout out again curiosity should always be your mandate enjoy the rest of the show and remember team Holtz loves you add sometimes because I think holy smokes like what is happening here how come where's our unity where's our cohesiveness like wh- why is it just a hip-hop video or, or a sports team or all these different things like why can't we really connect and have that one message. So to me, when I heard Black North, these are all the things that started kind of unraveling for me. So what you're saying, I mean, you're, you're just speaking my language. Well, you know, listen, you know, we're speaking frankly here, right? Mm. Um, uh, the, my biggest disappointments in business were unfortunately caused by my own people. <laughs> you know, yeah. to me, like, Not you surprised. know, some, some, some big disappointments for me. Yeah. And it's because of the work that I'm trying to do to kind of help. And sometimes, you know, the problem with us, my dad referred to the term crabs in a bucket, you know, and we, we can't appreciate what the fact that one of us is going to get out and then that person is going to put the claw down and then everybody's going to climb over the backs of the others to get out. Ooh. But everybody's going to get out. Right. Ooh. And And our community, unfortunately, we just feel that we can't have multiple of us. Mm. We can't have multiple other communities go. We need more of us because the more of us there are in those positions, the more changes that we're going to see and quicker. Right. Mm. So so what I say to folks is this, you know, my job now, you know, when I was a kid in in St. Thomas growing up, seeing my grandmother working literally like a slave. Mm. okay, in the sugarcane plantation, uh, banana plantation, doing coconut days and stuff like that. I, I went, you know, I felt that I was going to work like her for the rest of my life as well, because mm. that's all I saw. Mm. But could you imagine if I saw something else, mm. like I saw her wearing a business suit to go to work? Then mm. that's what I would like to become, Ooh. right? And that would, my, would be my aspiration, mm. right? So now, 
I, you know, I found myself in a position whereby I now have a different vision because of what I've observed by coming to this country. Mm. And but it's going to take me a while before I get the influence that I need to bring other people along with me. Of course, it's not going to be overnight, right? Sometimes changes, you know, you get into a position either overnight, which is generally not the case, you mm-hmm. know, because black people don't get things overnight usually. Mm-hmm. It doesn't happen to us overnight. Or it takes you decades to get to the point where you go, hey, I now have some influence, I can make changes. For me, it took me 40 years. Mm. Literally, yes. you know, yes. when, I, when I left Jamaica, came to Canada, all that, it took me a while before I now go, I think I can do something on a bigger scale to help people. And I was accumulating all that credibility along the way, working on mm. Bay Street, mm. to get me to the point today where I can now go, I'm going to use that now. Mm. That's why you're just hearing about me because it's, you know, it takes a while to build that. It does. It's not an over. I had to be on Bay Street. I have to do some amazing, amazing work for people that don't look like me. Mm. And those people, this guy is good. Not this black guy is good. Not this Jamaican guy is good. That guy is good. Or that guy is the best at what he does. And he's been the best for 20 years. Let's talk about, uh, let's talk about Mr. Telfor really quick. Your your first tra- your first transaction, you know, that's the one that you you said, hey, you know, when I I basically started Kingsdale when I was thirty four, something around that age, yeah, and and you said, you know, I mean, just like anything else, it was only you, and you talked about your wife Christine, and you know, basically coming home and saying, man, I got th- we like we got three kids here, you know, they're young, we're we're basically depositing our check every two weeks, and, and we're in the negatives, and we're paying overdraft fees and all these different things, and it's you know the struggle is real, and I like that, but you know, I, I look at look at I, and, and it's funny because I was watching because I heard what he what 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 Mr. Telford he had said to you about you and I said, look at this man you know he's not Jamaican <laughs> he's not even no he's not he, you and him are from two completely different oh. worlds you know yeah. and but at the end of the day there he provided an opportunity he gave you an opportunity and said hey you know I'm gonna I'm gonna help you out here because you essentially took that transaction and and ran with it like uh, like Usain Bolt uh, into the corporate world and made a business. Well, you know, Ryan, here's the deal, right? All the opportunities I got all along my career path from the job I got in the mailroom, I started Bay Street in the mailroom, mm. to coming to where I'm at to start Kingsdale, mm. it's all white folks that uh, that helped me. Mm. All mm. white folks that helped me, right? Mm. I could have sat there and said, you know what? I'm waiting for a black man to help me. I don't want these white folks to help me because they've been oppressing black people, so I don't want them to help me. Mm. Well, guess what? I would never be here today because I never met a black man in a position whereby he goes, bring me along, bring Wes along with me. Mm-hmm. Right. So I saw those people and they didn't look at me in, in a color, in a way to say I'm a color guy. They look at me to say, are you capable of doing the job that mm. needs to be done? Let's take a look yes. at Ian Telfer, for example. Mm. How did I meet him? He's the CEO of the largest, was at the time, the largest gold mining company in the world. <laughs> gold Corp. Okay, yeah, yeah. and his company was involved in a hostile takeover. Somebody wanted to take over his company and kick him out. Mm. And he said, "I'm looking for the best in the country to defend me against these people." Yes, yes. And it turned out that the best was me. Yes, right. Yes, and uh, and he goes, "I'm going to hire this guy yes. because I heard so much about him." But those people were saying good things about me. They were not black people. They were all white folks in the boardrooms. Yes. saying, hey, Wes is the best at this. You need to hire him, right? Yes. If you look at the article written about me in the Report on Business, that front page article, right? It says, Wes is known on Bay Street that if you don't hire him when you're involved in a hostile situation, you're going to regret it because he's going to be on the other side of you, <laughs> right? The so fixer. That, yeah, the when fixer, you develop man. that reputation by people who go, I'm looking for the best. I'm not looking for color. I'm looking for the best. And that's the reason why I'm so passionate about what I do, Mm. because I know, you know, uh, there's no monopoly on Mm. brilliance. You know, there's no one race to get, you know, hire that race because they're good at. Yeah, maybe, you know, okay, we want to get some tall guys with playing basketball. We're going to go and see you. You you look at the black guys, generally speaking. Mm. But guess what? There's a lot of white guys that can dunk the ball. There's a lot of Indian guys that can dunk the ball. There's a lot of Chinese guys can dunk the ball just the same. But our psyche suggests that if you're looking for somebody in this way, you got to look in this way. So if you're looking for someone in the boardroom, they got to look a certain way. Mm. And that's the mentality that I want to change, right? Because once you change that mentality, you're going to see that brilliance comes in all races. 
Mm. And I want to make sure that when you look at a black person, you don't see athletics. You don't see like somebody saying, hey, you know, how did you afford this car? That's the biggest question I get when I drive my Ferrari down the road. Mm. It's like somebody, I'm stopping at the lights and somebody say, hey, how can you afford to drive that car? Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. That is because of the fact that they're not used to seeing people like me in a position where they can legally buy that car without doing something like drugs or mm -hmm. gangs or they're not an athlete. There you, you know go. What I mean? And listen, I'm telling you, because I know I, I seen your little uh, Adidas uh, little hoodie you, you, you're rocking. And listen, if you're in that Adidas hoodie, OK, we know it, if you're in your purple suit or you're in that Adidas hoodie in the Ferrari, very, very different uh, look there. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's almost a night and day. Now you put on a ball cap with that hoodie in that Ferrari. Ooh, like it's it's night and day. You almost you're almost a different person in some respects. Here, yeah. Here's what I here's what I'm interested in is that when we go back, it, it's funny because I, I I studied your journey and I'm like, oh my god, you know, I'm thirty, I just turned thirty seven. You're fifty one, correct? Yes. So I, I look turned, at just it. Turned fifty two actually. Fifty. When's your birthday, Wes? May eighth. Oh man! It's oh fast. my god! Happy birthday, my daughter, Same my daughter, my two year old daughter. She just turned two on May sixth, man. Talia. So yeah, that's good, but. So we go back into Jamaica. So 11 years old, you know, it's interesting because your grandma basically raised you from two to 11. Your mom came back in the situation, I believe, at 11 and said, listen, I want you to come live with me. And, you know, you did. And that took you into a situation. You talked about abuse. You talked about going to the hospital. You know, you had a stepdad that was abusive to your mom. And then when he was done with your mom, he was, you know, moved over to the kids. Just some terrible stuff. Uh, and then you basically said, I'm not doing this anymore. Go back to your grandma's. Uh, your grandma says, what the heck are you doing here? You can't be here. You know, you're supposed to be with your mom. And then you're getting hit out into the into the cane fields or, or, or whatnot. And then you landed up going back. But what's amazing is that at 13, you know, you basically said, like, I'm I'm done. Like, I'm out on my own. Um, and it's interesting because to hear the story of your dad, you know, because he has other kids and then you never met some of your other siblings, you know, taking you all the way into Canada, meeting your wife. And here's the thing about disappointment. You are somebody that's a pro at dealing with disappointments. I mean, I think your Teflon is because you know what pain feels like and your, your reception of pain has became so good. Your process has because when I heard about your brother, rest his soul, who goes to Buffalo I mean, I'm sitting there and you started crying, man. And I, I literally was watching. I'm going through this. I said, my God, you know, to have that devastation and that pain. Um, and then, you know, you're you're still raising a family and you're trying to get your own way. And your wife was gracious enough to say, hey, Wes, like, come on, man. We're trying to raise our own family. You're bringing your whole family here. How have you learned to really cope? Because this is what I, I feel with people that get true success it's not that they don't have problems. You have so many problems, but your coping mechanisms are so yeah. different. How do you cope? You know, a lot of people say to me that, you know, you know, all the things that you went through in life, maybe one of these days you're going to just lose it, right? Because it's <laughs> eventually, no one human being should be dealing with all those things. Again, and as you mentioned, Ryan, you know, leaving my grandmother, which was, she was just a loving, the most loving person. And, mm -hmm. and that's the reason why I kept on going back to that time of my life mm -hmm. between it you know, a baby, because my mom left us in a house by herself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And my grandmother came to get us. And then, yeah. so she's the only mother I knew. Right. So at 11, from a baby to the 11 years old, that was the person who nurtured me and, you know, and looked after me and I looked up to her and everything like that. And that's, it's almost like I stuck in that time. Mm. And so my memory just keep on going back to that good times. Because all the other times started becoming bad, right? Because I went to live with my mom. It was terrible. Mm. My biological mom was terrible. We lived for three years after so much beatings. She just like, I couldn't take it anymore. And I wasn't crying anymore. She just throw my bags out and say, get out. You're, you're yeah. get out of my house. You're on your own. 13 years old. What do I do in Jamaica? Yeah. But that was liberating for me because I viewed that as an opportunity. And, uh, and then I came to Canada at 16 to live with my father. And I lived with my father for, uh, for two years. Mm. Because he was just too strict. Because Dukamana <laughs> was in Jamaica from 13 to 16, all on my own, calling my own shots, mm. you know. And then I came here, and somebody else was calling the shots for me. So it, as soon as I became 18 in May, I moved out, and I mm. finished high school on my own, and I then started to work on my own. But I also recognize the fact that I have an obligation to my family in Jamaica, 
my mm. brothers and sisters. Mm. And so what I did was uh, the only way based on how the immigration law works here is I had to because we I have no I have 14 brothers and sisters, but I have no full brothers and sisters. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. They're all like, you know, they, you know. Jamaica, so, so Jamaica. <laughs> That's the typical Jamaican stuff, right? So I have no full brothers and sisters. But because of that time that I grew up with these guys in Jamaica and the time I spent with my grandma, they go, I need to help those guys. But to help them, I have to bring my mother, put my mother on the application. And I put my mom on the application to show the chain of, uh, of kingship, right? That yep. Yep. I'm related to these people because we all have different last names, right? Yep. We're, I'm related to these people through my mom. And uh, so I had an obligation to bring them here. And uh, so I got married in uh, June 1992. And uh, but the application went in and I called my mom and I said to my biological mom, that is, hold off for a year uh, to it so I can get settled and you guys will all come for a year. So I applied for her. I applied for my uh, my two, my, my sister, Joan, my brother, Leslie, mm. my uh, my sister, Lo- uh, Barbara and uh, and 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 um, uh, there's there's one more name there that uh, and my brother, Ian. And, and so we, we, we applied for all these. Uh, so they, they're supposed to come a year later. Got married in June. In July, <laughs> I got a call from the airport yeah. that my entire people on that application was at Pearson International Airport. <laughs> and they're here to live with you. They came early, Jeez. a year early, a month <laughs> after I got married. And I was in a two-bedroom apartment. Okay. All seven of us was in that two-bedroom apartment. I Is this apartment still standing, uh, West, to this day? Still there. So the you, you, okay. All right, okay. I go by every now and then. And okay, look at, I right. go by and see my life, and you'll see it over LinkedIn if you follow me, because yeah. I go back because I appreciate those times. Yeah. So think about it. My wife was from Walkerton, Ontario. White woman. Didn't <laughs> speak Jamaican. Didn't yeah. understand Jamaican. Didn't even know a, a, a black man until we met. And we're both Jehovah's Witnesses. Yes. And we got married in, in, in the Jehovah's Witness faith and all that kind of stuff. And then all my fi- family came to, to to live with us in a two-bedroom place. And just like in a typical Jamaican, they just took over everything. Mm. My wife couldn't. <laughs> they determined where the furniture went. They determined what we had for dinner. You know, they determined, you know, everything, right? They just took over the house and my poor wife, who was at the time 19 years old. Jeez. Holy right? She was 19, yeah. right? And uh, and she's like, okay, you know, I was 22, she was 19. So I was young and now I have this responsibility to look after all these people, all these people, looked after them, got my brothers in, my brother and sister in school, buy winter clothes, all this kind of stuff, right? And we, we, we got them all sorted. My brother, my younger brother, started to go get into trouble. Mm. He started mm. to hang out in different neighborhoods. Mm. Next thing you know, I'm in the bed at two o'clock in the morning, get calls from police station that your brother been arrested. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And he's like stealing cars, yeah. doing this, everything. And finally, the government got fed up and they deported, deported him. Yeah. Right? yeah. Go on. And then my brother said to me, because at the time I was in the mailroom still, I was just hustling, right? Yeah. And my brother came, I, my, he was now 18 months younger than me. And he said, Wes, I can't stay in Canada, man. It's too slow here. And I can't be like you. You're going to work in that mail room and that's not me. I'm gonna, I'm leaving. So he went to mm. the States, okay? Mm. And then eventually, a few years later, um, I, I'm, I'm, I now got this job, which is the biggest break that I had working for Canvas Global. And I got a call mm. and somebody said to me, the person who called said, listen, we found a body mm. and they have your name on the body, like mm. your name is person. Mm. as a relative mm. and I said you need to come to Buffalo to identify the body my gosh yeah. right Jeez. I was so distraught I actually drove to Detroit Jeez. that's the opposite direction <laughs> okay I, was, I drove to Detroit Jeez. and they're like oh this is not Buffalo story it's on the other side of the lake oh so I had to yeah drive and go back and then I get to end up in Buffalo Jeez. went to the police station because we had to meet me to the police first and they go well you know Talked to, gave me details. They brought me to the morgue, and there's my brother. Jeez. And my brother was beaten to death. Yeah, his hands were tied behind his back, and there was a plastic bag over his head. Mm. And they threw him in the dumpster. Mm. Mm. And that's and that's and that's it. And I had to bury him. I had to bury him mm. because there was nobody else to bury him. The reason why I'm sad when I re- recount that was because if he was in Jamaica, mm. he would have been fine. Mm. Right, he have been fine, and I had to call my grandmother and said, "Ian is dead." 
Jeez, jeez. Now, Ian was the brother. It was me, Ian, and Joan that were left in that house by our mother together. Yeah. Ian was the guy. I was just fond of him because I oh. felt we had to look after each other. And my sister Joan, that you saw in the documentary, both of them are now dead. Yeah. And 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 I have a special kinship with those people because of what we've been through together so young. Is Joan so the got, is Joan the, your sister that uh, got uh, cancer? Yeah. And then you you had paid for treatment and all those uh, types of things yeah. back in Jamaica, right? Yeah. 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 So Joan was my sister. So um, so so all those things started to come back of us being kids together, running in the cane field, going to the field with my grandmother and all that kind of stuff. And now they're gone, right? Those mm. members are gone. Those people that shared those special moments with me mm. are gone, right? And um, you know, so for me, it was just devastating. And to and and because what I was trying to do was trying to do what my dad did for me. My dad actually brought me to Canada. He didn't say, I'm going to bring you here and you're going to be this and you're going to be that. Mm. All I wanted was the opportunity to come to this country and I would take it from there. Oh, yeah. yeah That's yeah. it. Don't yeah. promise me anything. Don't promise me that you're going to do this for me or that. Just bring me here and I'll take care of the rest. Mm. And that's what I felt that I was doing for my siblings. Bring them here and then they're going to bring their kids and uh, and now, all of a sudden, everybody would get out of that poverty position that we're all in. Everybody you know would. I, you know what I think, Wes? I think I think when we talk about equality on all kinds of, you know, personally and professionally, is this. I think, in my opinion, equality is getting the opportunity. But I feel that people take it a step further and they say, well, uh, an opportunity, equality should guarantee an outcome. Uh-uh. It shouldn't guarantee no. an outcome. Uh, equality is, I'll give you a shot. Yeah. If if you screw it up, that's on you. If you run yeah. with it, we'll do your thing. And I see that in underserved communities, that mentality of, well, opportunity, come on, treat me equal, give me equal. No, no, no. If somebody gives you an opportunity, that's all they should have to give you. The outcome well, is on you. That's all I asked for when I came here. Uh, mm. My dad, that's why, you know, my dad is like just, uh, is, you know, him and I have a fantastic relationship, but I didn't really know him until I came here at 16. Yeah. Right. And you, I've seen him around and when he would come back to, because he left Jamaica at 25 years old. Yeah. Right. He was a young man when he left Jamaica and he yes. had me. So I was one year old when he left Jamaica and he just came to Canada and he built a life for himself. He got married. He have a new family. Yes. I haven't met any of his, his, his my siblings here, right? Yes. And then I came, I, and then I came, you know, when I came here, I have to meet everybody for the first time. Oh, this is Wes, and this is this person, this is that person. Met my stepmother, and here you go. You're now a part of this family, mm. right? I never fit in. I never felt I fit in. I never mm. felt I belong, right? Because of the life that I, lead, I lived when I was in Jamaica with my grandmother and then with my mom's. So now it's like this environment was just not an environment that's conducive to me. Mm. So for me, as soon as I was able to, I just got out of there because I was <laughs> just not comfortable in it. Yeah. Right. But 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 all I wanted was that, you know, you, you hear about these foreigners who marry American men to get a green card. <laughs> I just wanted to come here, man, to get to, to, yeah. to get to get in this country. I'll figure the rest out. So with my brothers, on the other hand, they didn't want to take the same journey that I took. My journey mm. was long. Yeah. Long. Yeah. Right. But they didn't want the long journey. They wanted the quick journey. Mm-hmm. And there's other people around them that were telling them that, hey, if you do this, you're going to be rich. Mm-hmm. You're going to have a lot of money. Right. And so they were looking at my hustle and go, man, this guy's getting up early. He's pushing a mail cart. When the mm-hmm. end of the week comes, we don't even have enough for food to feed all of us. Yes. Right. We have to ration because there's seven of us and he's not making enough money. We have to yep. ration food. I don't want to live like this guy's living. Yes. Right. But it was a sacrifice for them because if my wife and I were just there by ourselves, we'll be eating just fine. Of we'll be course. eating steak every day because just two of us. Of right. Course. Now we have to support seven people on a very small income. And yeah. as a result of that, we all had to make sacrifices, all of us. Right. And we couldn't. My brother was upset because I couldn't buy name brand clothing for him. Mm. I had to go to Goodwill and shop for used clothing. So they're mm. upset about that. Like, why I gotta, why can't you just buy me a nice clothes? Because what, in their mentality, my brother's been in Canada for, 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 for five years, mm. right? So he should be making money. Mm. I shouldn't be sacrificing like this, yeah. right? And then when they saw the reality of being in Canada, they realized that, no, I don't want that. I want the other reality, which is not a reality in, 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 altogether. Usually ends in two ways, death or prison. I mean, that's just the that's reality, it. unfortunately. That's, that's I always the, that's say, the reality. Well, and I always tell people, I'm like, why are you investing in a bank account that you don't own? 
Yeah. You know, don't confuse movement with progress. I see people moving laterally. Side to side doesn't get you steps forward, right? People are good talkers, man. It's amazing human nature how good we are at talking. I mean, we can sell ourselves out of everything. But, man, when you get the first punch in the mouth, as the saying goes, then we really understand. That's why when you said on Dragon's Den, your your little intro or, or promo there, you said, listen, you know, there's a fine line between arrogance and confidence. And I like my entrepreneurs to have bravado. And it's like when you step up to the plate, you know, my mom, my mom, I was raised by a single mom. So my mom passed when I was 13. But the one thing my mom always gave in to me was always affirmations, love and everything. But she said, Ryan, I don't care if you make a mistake. But if I find out that you made this mistake half assed, you're going to get it. I want to hear my son went into the wall at 100 miles an hour because I can live with that because you gave it your all. But if you yeah. if you do the half stepping thing, don't come home right now. You know, yeah. and then the silent treatment happens. It ain't good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I. You know, for me, I've I've always been a self starter, right? Because again, you know, when I left my grandmother, I didn't really have that role model to look up to mm. after I left her, right? Mm. So, so all of a sudden now, I had to look for other role models. And I always say to people, you know, like, listen, I learn really, really quickly. I learned, mm. I observe, I look around and I see when I went into that law firm and I, as a male guy and I see all these people in nice fancy business suits in their offices, mm. feet up on the desk, doing conference calls and talking all important. I go, I want to be one of them. Mm. I want to be one of those people. Okay. Mm. How do I make it happen? And I start to put all the things in place. The fact of the matter is who has all the plum positions and live in the rich neighborhoods and all this mm. kind of stuff in this country, not black folks. Okay, mm. so the question is, how did they get there? Yes. How did they get there? And yes. you can either say, I'm going to resent them for the way that they get there, Ooh. or you can figure it out and emulate them. Now, let me ask okay. you this, Wes. Let me ask you this. So we would call that modeling success, you know, not copying, but modeling, you know, figuring out the journey and the path. For you, it's kind of like Michael Jordan, right? Michael Jordan's very known for, um, you know, basically taking something, getting pissed off about it and just making that his mandate of just going out there and going nuts. For you, is that what gets you going? Like when you wake up, what are you trying to do with your life? I mean, are you upgrading your life? Like, what are you doing? And I like to ask this question because it's a simple question, but it's kind of complex. Like, what are you doing? What's your goal? Like, what's getting you going? My, my goal is to change something. Mm. And it necessarily means changing me, but it means to, can I have an impact on something that day or someone that day mm. that's going to be sustainable, mm. right? So, for example, having this podcast, right? Is this podcast promoting me or is it encouraging people who are listening to it, mm. right? So how can I now use this platform to build up and encourage people to go, mm. wait a minute here, you may be going through a really tough situation right now, but it gets better, Right. And then all of a sudden that person listening to that, you mm. know, just get up, they sit upright and mm. now they have this confidence that there's another gear that they have. Mm. Right. And they're going to, you know, put that other gear into play. There's mm. always another gear that we have when we get hit and, and knocked down. Yes. But we just don't know we have that other gear because it's so tough yes. when, we, when we're under our butt and, and, and we're there and we go, I can't get up from this. I can't get up. I can't get up. I can't go outside. I can't do this. And then you realize that, wait a minute, how did that person do it after they overcome all these different things? Mm. And then you realize that when you hear their story, you get up and you realize that there's multiple gears that you have. Yes. And now you're prepared for every time you get hit up, get it knocked down. You know that I have to get up because there's another gear. Right. Yes. And, in, and, and it doesn't matter what we do in life and how successful we think we are. Tragedy happens. Yes. Unfortunate things happen to us all. Right. And as a result of those unfortunate things, if we're rich, if we're poor, how do we deal with those things when they happen to us? Mm. Right. Not because mm. you're successful and influential. It doesn't really mean that something bad may not happen to you or somebody you love or a friend of yours. Mm. And, and the way that you deal with that determine how you move forward. Mm. Right. So so when you get up every day, I just try to figure out, OK, what positive things can I do today? Mm. Not to necessarily make me money, not to, you know, all that. Mm. It's, you know, I do. I don't do any of this thing, Ryan. And I say this to people and they think I'm, uh, you know, uh, I'm not being truthful. I don't do what I do for money. Uh, I don't. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you know, that. I can, I, I can, I sense, I can sense that on you. I can sense that. It's the change that I'm making in people. When I walk down the street and somebody say to me, you know, Wes, 
because of what you've said or because of what you did or because of just who you are, it makes me a better person. Yes. Right? These, these you know, we, we, we talk to celebrities and sports stars and all that kind of stuff. They're like, I don't want to be anybody's uh, uh, role model. Mm. You should be. Mm. You're a cop out. You should yeah, be. Yeah, Why do you absolutely. say that? You say that because you're living a life that you don't want anyone to emulate. Mm. Right. Yeah. But if you live in an exemplary life, you want everyone to emulate it because it's going to make everybody better. Of right. Course. So all of us who get to a certain point in life should want to have these people's role models. You know what I like? Right? You know what I thought you thought about? You know, I, I remember when I started this podcast, my motivation for this whole podcast and show, Wes, is, is exactly what you're saying there. I mean, I want to, you know, I, I think specifically in Canada, because I mean, I, I probably have 70 percent of my guests are, are American, you know, and they always say the same thing. Ryan. Like it's kind of sleepy up 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 in Canada. Like Tim Story, who's uh, Oprah Winfrey's and Kanye West life coach, he's a big deal in in LA there. And he said, I, I I looked at Canada and I'm like, like where's black media? Like where's the like the complex? Or because you're saying, you know, hey, I want to use my platform to, you know, inspire and show other people that hey, you can look like me and go do your thing. But what I what I like to push back on is and say is, well, Wes, the more people you hit. Or, you know, a media company that's delivering messages like this show. I'm going to chop it up. We're going to push it out. People are going to see it. But could you imagine doing this times 10, times 20, times 30? And it's a network. That, to me, my goal, my end goal as a business person is a media network that's yeah. showcasing all this. Because I want people out there to understand all these stories that mainstream media, quite frankly, doesn't cover. And when they do it, people aren't even observing it because they're not like this is the billboard of your life. This is the yeah. only billboard you want. This is the remote control to your life. If your content is not here, there's no message getting through, man. That's no right. message is getting through. So for you, yeah. when did you know in your life, holy smokes, I might have made some money? Like, like, can you bring me to, I want to know an age where, and I know, you you know, people ask you, oh, you know, do you think you're successful? And you say, no, I don't think about that. I don't, I'm like, I'm not playing my replay yet, you know, but when did you know, holy shit, like quietly, you know, into yourself, you're like, yeah. oh shit, Wes, you did it, bro. You did it. You kind of well, did. Well, you it. know, I, I was always, I never spend money, right? I never, like, I remember when I got my first uh, big break, uh, I had a 1992 Ford Explorer. And it was <laughs> rusted Explorer. out at the bottom. It was rusted out, okay? And I remember going to client meetings with it. And uh, and I would be so embarrassed. I would, I would park it like a ways away and I would walk. Okay? Yes. Yes. And I remember I was with my with, with, a, with a client of mine and we went golfing and uh, and the client was there and they see me driving by in this in this Ford Explorer rusted out. And I parked it and I was with the client's son, the client and his son. And the client said to me, you know, I told my son that you're a very successful guy. <laughs> but when I saw your truck, I, you know, it kind of disappoints him a little bit because yeah. it doesn't suggest that that's successful. Ooh. You know what I mean? So, uh, so, but I've always been, but here's what I knew. I remember when I bought the, when I went to buy our third house and I went to my wife and I saw this house that I was, you know, I, I always wanted it. I've always mm. wanted it in the neighborhood. It was mm. a very exclusive neighborhood outside the city. And, uh, and I've always admired this house and I'm like, man, it would have been nice to live in a house like that. And then the house came up for sale years later. Mm. And when I said it would be nice to live in a house like that, it was what I meant was it would be nice to be able to afford to live in a house like that, mm. right? So it was never on my radar. And I brought my, it came up for sale. And I said to my wife, hey, there's a house that came up for sale that I've been looking at. We, let's go take a look at it. Mm. And I, we went on it. And my wife uh, said, we can't afford that, mm. right? And I'm like, well, what if we just, let's just take a look. And uh, we went in took a look and she was like, wow, this is like, man, this house is amazing. This would be great, but you're tempting me. I wish we could afford it. And I made an offer and I bought it for cash. Ooh. Okay. Ooh. And, uh, and it's funny because, you know, when I was looking at it, the real estate agent for the seller came to my real estate agent and said, I hope those people are not going to, you know, insult us with, with a lowball offer. Ooh. We made an offer that night uh, for all, you know, full asking, uh, no condition, uh, and and we closed the deal within a few weeks later. Wow. Okay, that's when I I kind of go because why did I was there in that position? I hated debt and I still hate debt today. Ooh. Okay, yes. and I never because I was working so hard 
I never ever want to put my family in, in a position whereby something happens to me, God forbid, because things happen to people. Yes. And then somebody knock on the house that they're living on and door and say, I need the keys because your mm. husband, your father didn't pay for it. Ooh. I need the keys. I needed to have something that I could leave behind that is for my family. Yes. That shows that this is what he worked so hard for and he left something behind for us. Yeah. So that's when I knew it, when I was able to do that and I felt at peace because now I go, okay, I can now work because now you have something there. How old were you, Wes? I need the age. I need a number. I like I'm a number. I like I like the ladder. I'm one of those people that if when I you know 25 a goal, 30 a goal, 35 a goal, 40 a goal, 45. I need a number. Like when so, how old so I were started, you? I started Kingsley at 34. Yes. And uh, and I lived like a pauper. I lived like that's when I was driving that Explorer still. <laughs> I was uh, I lived like I was living, I was taking the go train to come to work. Yep. I was getting up at four o'clock in the morning and I was uh, I would be at work by seven, okay? Yep. Because I would work out, get up, work out, yes. get the train. And I would do that commute, and I did that commute for 10 years. Yes. 10 years where I've been, t you know, and then I finally, because I was working so late, the go train schedule, I would miss the go train, I would be on the bus. It would take me two, two and a half to three hours to get home, okay? Because yeah. I had to get up the DVP. Yeah. And so I did that sacrifice. So when I finally, at 40, I was at a, at a, at a position at 40, whereby I go, okay, I think I'm okay now. Okay. Right? So, and then, and then of course, you start to hit balls out of the park, balls of the park. And, but, but I, I would say, you know, it was when I was 40 that I looked at myself and I go, actually, I think I'm a little bit different than most people. Mm. You know, when it comes to my accomplishment, when it comes to where I'm at in life. Mm. And, uh, and then you start to, but you didn't get comfortable there because you go, wait a minute here, it can all disappear. Mm. Right. So even to this day, I never get comfortable with what I've accomplished because it can be it can be taken away. Look at what happened with COVID. Course, A lot of people lost course. pretty much everything that they've worked for all their lives, all their career, just in one year. But Warren Buffett said it best. He said, "You're going to realize who's swimming without a life jacket when the tide goes out." Right? Yes. There's a lot. There's a lot of appearance happening here, right? But the liquidity yeah. on the appearance—that's a whole other subject, right? How I want to ask you this: so value and money. How did you? navigate because i always say i notice when people have money like your relationship with money has everything to do with your relationship with yourself in my opinion because if you don't value yourself how could you value what you should be paid i think this if you give value get paid like i am of the i don't care ask for the money like i don't care right i am i've always been that way because i think no way like if you give value and your work is great get paid And if somebody else is going to pay you, keep it moving because somebody will yeah. pay you. How did you get such a great, you know, coming from zero, zero, you know, and then coming here and then going into negatives. So somebody who doesn't like debt, you know, those overdraft fees. It's so true too. talking to really wealthy people. I always enjoy it because they're like, Ryan, that $4.99 delivery charge, it still pisses yeah. me off. Yeah, it, it, it just bugs upset. me about it. You know, I just don't like it. You know, so how, for you, how did you yeah. say I'm Wes? I should be paid this. This is my value. And I'm not budging on that because I'm telling you so many people who are listening to the show to this day, accolades doing great work. They still undervalue themselves. You know what they say about me on base with my company He's the most expensive. He's very expensive, but he's worth it. Ah, okay. So I can cut my fees down, right? But the fact of the matter is I'm worth more than that. I give you more value than that. Mm. So it's not, you know, for me, it wasn't really about, um, you know, what the money is. It's all about value, mm. right? And th that value goes into your values mm. as well. Mm. You know what I mean? Like Because like at the end of the day, you know, if, if you don't have values, right? then you're going to be a certain type of business person as well, Correct. right? And, and yeah. you're going to do things that are unethical. You're going to do things that you're not going to help people. You have a lot of money. You're not give it back philanthropically. So those things, as a result of you putting value to what you do, mm. it now helps you with your values in terms of how you change the world by what you've accomplished because your services are valuable to people, right? Mm. So mm. all I say to people is that, you know, you have to know what you're worth. 
The biggest problem with black people is that because of the fact that we're in certain positions for the first time and there's none of us, we undervalue what mm. we bring to the table. We mm. undervalue it. And as a result of undervaluing it, we never ever get the same as other people who don't look like us. Mm. Because we feel so grateful to be invited. Right? So we go, you know what? I'm not gonna charge, I'm not gonna ask for the big compensation because they might not gonna hire me because I'm the first black person they're interviewing. Ooh, right? Yeah, so yeah. I'm not gonna ask for it. Yeah. So you undercut your value, you go in there and you go, I'm gonna show them what I'm gonna do, and they're gonna automatically give me what I deserve. No, never mm. happens. Never mm. happens. You negotiate hard in the beginning, during, and at the end, because mm. every step of the way you have to prove yourself. You don't just get in and automatically people give you check marks. No. Like with, I've been on Bay Street for 30 years and I'm still proving myself to some people, yeah. even with my reputation. Yeah. So why am I not gonna charge you for that and give you my value? And then at the end of the day, you know what the biggest thing that all those people tell me that I'm, I'm too expensive when I work in a deal with them? You know what they say to me at the end of the deal? Your services are undervalued. <laughs> oh, that is the Ooh. biggest thing that I say after they go after oh. they tell me I'm so expensive. Oh my god! Right, and I don't want to hire, and they finally bite the bullet to hire me. And when I'm done, they go, "You're undervalued." I'm putting the Jamaican air horn sound on this one. They can't you keep know. a good man down. <laughs> Holy, no, no, people listening to that statement. So you over delivered. That's yes. the key. You over delivered. Right. Yep. And so your values backed and yes. that, 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 but so, so the reality is, is if you're shitty and do shitty work, you're, you're just not going to get great stuff, period. You got to do great work. Now, Listen, if you're a black man on Bay street and you're running the top firm in your sector mm. for years and years and years, you can't be average. Yes. No, you can't no. be average. You've got to like, keep in mind is that, you know, people don't know what I do for a living, but my job is to defend people who are getting thrown out of their businesses, like CEOs that yes. people go, I don't like him anymore. I want him out. Here's the, them. here's the thing, though, Wes. So that, that this to me is, is very important, interesting, too, because that's one thing I was really trying to understand. You know, I, I don't know. Andrew McBarnett, he owns a small uh, yeah. Caribbean company, yeah. Sweet and Nice. Sweet and, nice. and it's funny because he mentioned your name, too. And I said, I'm still trying to understand what the hell Wes does. <laughs> and, he, and he kind of explained it, but it was like this long rambling thing. I'm like, okay, well, thanks, bro. I appreciate you, but I gotta, I gotta get, I gotta get some more information. Um, but I, I, I do understand what you're doing, but here's what I want to ask you. If you put a great driver into the wrong vehicle, that's not good. But if you put the right driver with the right vehicle, it matches. You understood there was a little gap. So specific. I mean, it's like going to Versace and saying, yeah. like, I want, like, I want the stuff that, like, it's not, there's no factory on it. Like, I want to go to the little boutique. Like the you, yeah, like, you went so specific. So you found such a, like, deep, dialed-in niche into your sector. For people listening, and they are in the wrong vehicle, but they're like, listen, I'm a great driver, Wes, but I'm in the wrong vehicle, and this is not taking me down the road I need to go on. How can they find their niche or is there some things you could give them guidance on to say, hey, look, review what you're doing. If you're in the wrong industry, offering the wrong service, think about this this way. Yeah. So, so I was, uh, somebody wanted to buy my company after a number of years starting the company. They heard about my reputation. The CEO sat with me and he met with me and he said, uh, you know, Wes, we want to do the deal to buy your firm because you have such great reputation and I want you to run the entire company. Mm. Right. He's going to step aside and I run the entire company and we start talking and we're talking about value and he didn't think I was my company was worth what it worth. And I was stuck to it. And I said, no, I, I you know, uh, this is what the value is. And I'm not I'm not budging on that. Mm. And this is like and the kind of money we're talking about is like change your life kind of money. Right. Yeah. And uh, and I said, but no, I'm not going to do that. And, and then, you know, we start and we got to a number that we both agree to. And then he said, you know, Wes, I'm very concerned because when I look at my company and your company, I'm concerned that if when we put them together, that you are a Ferrari engine and you're going into the engine of a Volkswagen. <laughs> and I'm afraid that you you have a little bit too much horsepower for what we're gonna we're gonna get to. Q right? and bravado, Q and bravado. Yes. <laughs> and 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 you know what happened? As a result of his concern. 
The deal didn't happen. But you know what he was concerned with? Because he was going to become the chairman and stuff. He was concerned that because of my drive and passion mm. and smarts, that I'm going to take his job away from him and he's going to be re- irrelevant. Ooh. Right? That was the concern. And that's why he said he's running a Volkswagen. Nothing wrong with Volkswagen. It's a good engine, right? But he's, he's, he's running a Volkswagen company. Mm. I'm running a, I'm running Ferrari. Yeah. So if Ferrari and Volkswagen get together, who's likely going to take over? Of course. Of Chances course. are it's going to be the Ferrari, yes. right? Yes, yes. So he was concerned about that. And as a result of that, he gave up value that he would have gotten by putting these two together and working together to create this amazing company Ooh. together, Ooh. right? But it didn't all wasn't lost because a few weeks later, somebody came to me and gave me double what he was going to give me. Oh, yeah. And they weren't concerned yes. about, they wanted the Ferrari. Is this the they MNP or am I saying that right? Which company? MNP or MNP? A firm out of the U.S. Uh, yes. Uh, called, uh, yeah, it's, it's they, they trade on the New York Stock Exchange. MBC yeah, he, part. He, yeah, and he's a funky, he's a funky, he's a funky person too, man. Miles, he's got- Miles amazing, dude. Like I love, I loved, loved working with him. But he came to me. Him and I had a meeting. He had an office in Yorkville, but their main office is in New York. Yeah. And I remember going into his office in Yorkville. And I'm talking to the, the man and, and for the first time because he's like, you know, uh, he liked my company and stuff. And and I'm like, he's not even listening to me. He was like yes. doing all kinds of different things while I'm talking about my business. And his and his uh, vice chairman was there taking all kinds of notes, right? We finished the meeting. I was there with my lawyer. And I said to my lawyer, does this guy got, uh, you know, uh, some kind of attention deficit disorder or something like that? He's like, that's just how he is. <laughs> Went back to my office and Miles called me up and he said, Wes, I absolutely love your company and I want to do a deal with you. Mm. And within a month we get we got a deal done. And mm. uh and, and it was amazing, you know, person to know and, and deal with. And he's still an amazing guy and, and stuff like that. You know, there's when you do good work, your name get out there. Mm. Like you do. But if mm. you're also a shock, your name get out there too. Yeah. You know what I mean? So when you hear somebody's name all the time, what context? Are they referred in mm. to determine whether or not they're good or they're a schmuck, mm. right? So if you hear my name 10 times in the last week, and every time you hear it, yeah, but he's a really horrible business guy. You don't want to do anything with him, right? Mm. Then you're going to kind of get a sense as to what the character of West Hall is all about. Yes. But if every time you hear my name, you hear, you need to meet him. I was so I was sold on arrogant bravado and confidence. I mean, I I'm not saying you're an asshole or anything, but I've always I, I mean I come from the football back biz. I get, I get along with assholes so good, not because I'm an asshole, but part because I don't think they're an asshole. I just think that people are that are go getters. You gotta ask for what you want. Like you gotta you, you gotta hit it, man. You don't like, even you have to ask for it. You gotta demand it. Yes, yes. Look, I'll, give you, I'll give you one one other story about that, right? And about bravado. And just so you know, your time here, we're coming, we're coming like ten minutes over. Just so you know. So okay, all right, good stuff. So I'll give you an example. When I was getting my vice president gig at, uh, well, I was leaving to get what I want. I said my next gig has to be a vice president job on Bay Street. Okay. Mm. And the guy called me and I, you know, the guy, the CEO of this company, before I started Kingsdale, he called me up and he said, I want to meet with you. We met over lunch and he's like, I want you to come work for my company. Mm. And I go, cool. And uh, we, you know, said, let me think about it. Let me talk to my partners in New York and all that kind of stuff. He went, talked to his partners in New York and they said, yeah, you need to hire Wes. You should hire mm. him. Mm. I was in, we, we had our first house on uh, Marigold Avenue in, in, uh, in downtown. And uh, we bought this place. It was a dog's breakfast and I was renovating it. It was $112,000 that we paid for it and we could hardly afford to renovate it. And we finally renovated it. I did it all myself. And then we had no furniture because we put all the money in the renovation, right? And I'm sitting, my wife is laying on the bed in the bedroom and the mattress was on the floor because we couldn't afford a box spring and we couldn't afford a headboard and all that kind of stuff. We just, we just, we just had, you know, the mattress on the floor, okay? Oh. And, and the guy, and, and I, the phone rang, I answered it Damn. in the bedroom and the guy said, it's such and such, um, I'm gonna offer you the position as director of business development for this company. Wow. And, if, wow. and, and the salary is X. And I'm like, okay, thank you very much for the offer. 
but I'm not interested in being a director. I want to be a vice president. Mm. The salary is no big deal, not no problem, but I want to be a vice president. And the guy said to me, I don't have the authority to offer you a vice president position. This is the position that I have the authority to offer you. I said to him, without a word of exaggeration, when you have the authority to give me that, make me that offer that I want, call me. And we hang up the phone. Boom. My wife lost it on the mattress. Okay? Oh, yes. Because keep in mind, we couldn't, we had two kids at this point. We couldn't even afford to furnish the house. Yeah. The money was almost double what I was making currently. But oh. it wasn't the money for me because Ooh. I knew that the vice president title will give me more money in the future. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then, so I hang up the phone and my wife's like, and that's why it's good to have great partners and somebody behind you, because when you make decisions like those, they have to stick with you, even if it doesn't work out. Right. And she can't say to me when we next day, when we can't buy food for the kids or we have to stretch things, why didn't you take that offer? I wish you had taken that offer. We wouldn't Ooh. be in this position. No, that never came up. But guess what? A few weeks later, I got that call again. He said, I have the authority to give you what you want. And I got my vice president gig and here I am. So you have to be able to have value what you're worth, stick to your principles and never look back because sometimes it will work and sometimes it doesn't work. But if you keep on harping on what if I had done this or I should have done this or would have, should have, could have, guess what? You're always going to be looking in the past. So always when I put something behind me, I look ahead. Mm. Period. I love that. I love that. Second last question, Wes. So you're 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 going on Dragons Den now. I I want their logo to have, be wrapped in a Jamaican flag. Please please tell the powers that be they need to get that done. That's number one. But <laughs> I want I want I want you to give uh, people uh, a little snippet of if somebody's pitching you one thing that's just going to completely turn you off and you're done with it, and then one thing that you're like if this person does this. I'm not saying the deal is going to go through, but I'm saying they're, they're, I'm going to hear with a little bit more intention because I'm hearing something that I like. So one thing that this is going to piss Wes off and one thing that's going to make his mood, he's going to go from a smile to a frown. What is it? Well, you know, it's somebody who comes in and just take you for granted. Ooh. You know, as a black man, a lot of people just just automatically assume that I'm not smart. And they walk into a, in a situation not prepared and expecting that they're just gonna, you know, win me over or get one over on me, mm. right? I take, I take great exception to that. Great exception to that, mm. right? So somebody walking in the den, for example, and I ask them a question about their financials, and they start to BS in me, right? That's insulting because you're assuming that I don't understand what I'm asking you, right? <laughs> and if uh, if or you don't understand what I'm asking you, and if you don't understand what I'm asking you. Tell me to ask the question again in a different way, right? But if you start to just kind of put things and saying that, I'm going to be either insulted because you feel that you can win me over by just telling me BS or you don't know. And if you don't know your numbers, I ain't interested in doing business with you. Mm. Okay. You know, so, so that's, so if somebody come in and treat me with respect and give me the respect that I deserve, I'm going to give them all kinds of latitude, all kinds of latitude. And if they don't know their numbers and they tell me that, you know what, we're still working on that and that's not my forte, that's good because now we know what your weaknesses are and I can help you to fill that void, Ooh. right? So you now can focus on the things that you're good at because not everybody's good at finance, Ooh, right? Yeah. But they may Ooh. be good at coming up with ideas and 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 execute on vision and, and be visionaries. Okay, so you go do the visionary stuff and I'll find somebody who's going to do the books, Ooh, right? Yes. But don't come in there pretending that you know more than you know, because if you do that, you're not going to get success. So basically, cut the crap, character, and honesty, and, and, and we can work. We can do anything together because we can find people to, to, to fill in the gaps. I love that. Yep. Last yep. question, Wes, man. We had two two false starts, but we're at an hour and one minute, and I love your time, and I appreciate it. And I think that's the best thing that, you know, when people give me their time, I'm like, it's, it's better than money. Because it's the only thing you can give me that you never can get back. So my That's last right. question to you is, and I ask all my guests this, what can I do for you? What you can do is uh, spread the word uh, about, um, you know, just the stuff that good people in this in this country are doing. Mm. And again, when I say good people, I mean good people, not just good black people. Of course. Good people. 
course. There's a lot of, you know, when I look at the Black North Initiative, for example, yeah, there are companies there that have done some bad things. When I say bad things, meaning that they ain't hire black people, mm. right? That's not good, mm. right? But now they go, okay, we're going to start from here. We're signing this thing and from here on in, judge me by what mm. I'm doing. Mm. Make sure that we give guys like those, you know, accolades, Huge. you know, and uh, and make sure that, um, you know, you, you, you give them the props that they deserve when they've done things like that, Huge. because it's going to encourage them to continue course to do those things of course right and and that's where i focus on just saying if our community can just give props to people when they are changing because change doesn't happen overnight right some of mm. these people we expect that they sign them props when they do things because it's going to encourage them to continue i love that i love that wes uh last thing i need you to say man is uh my name is wes hall newish dragon on dragon's den and i was just on the rhino show podcast my name is Wes Hall. I'm the newest dragon in Dragon's Den. I am the Black Dragon. And I was just on Ryan Hall's podcast, and it was fantastic. 